0: Hi everyone, and welcome to Mission and Meaning, a monthly podcast that connects you with the important mission-related learning and work happening around our Sacred Heart community. I'm your host, Ben Su, Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Access, and a member of the Office of Mission, Culture, and Strategy. At the moment, we're in a five part series that explores the theme of restoration, how it's connected to each of our five Sacred Heart goals and how restorative practices are already powerfully present in many of our school spaces. Today's episode, I'm happy to introduce Dr. Sally Vance Trembath, who will be speaking about the relationship between restorative justice and goal one, a personal and active faith. Within our Sacred Heart community, Dr. Vance Trembath oversees parent and educator education around our mission and our Catholic identity. Dr. Vance Trembath also serves as a senior lecturer in the Department of Religious Studies at Santa Clara University.
1: Like most movements, the current restorative justice movement is bedeviled by misunderstandings in the wider culture. Some view it as just another popular phase, others might dismiss it. As with many rich teachings in the Christian tradition, the term restorative justice conveys a renewing, life-giving power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is an inherent feature of justice and has its roots in ancient Israel. And also in Jesus, the risen Lord, the faithful son of Israel, Jesus provides us with its most full, final, and intense embodiment. The way I like to view the word justice is through its origins in Scripture. In the Hebrew Bible, the word comes from the other words that mean right relationship. My working definition of right relationship is is when all persons have dignity, and that dignity calls all other persons to strive for the common good. In Christian scripture, the word justice stems from origins meaning saving, life-giving actions. Justice yields authentic, life-giving relationships. Notice how active the word is. It describes a quality does justice, but also the actions that flow from it. Justice describes a wide spectrum of action that God engages in and justice calls upon us to engage in those same kinds of actions. The Hebrew Bible story teaches us the appropriate, good, and best ways to relate to one another, to relate to the creation, and to relate to the source of all that is, and that is, of course, the living, all-good God. The Hebrew Bible teaches us right relationships. Over time, those teachings get compressed into the quality of life that occurs when relationships are right, and that quality is justice. The world is a just place when we recognize that God is inviting us into a friendship. The world is a just place when we recognize that we are sisters and brothers of one human family and not members of separated cultures. The world is a just place when we recognize that the natural world is our home and not a commodity to be used, but a holy place that requires our tending and and care. Justice, in the Catholic tradition, comes to us from the Hebrew Bible. And like all things in the Hebrew Bible, that notion of justice rejects the ideas around retribution and debt that come from ancient worship. In order to talk about justice meaningfully, we must begin the way the Hebrew Bible begins, by describing God and the way God truly, actually, authentically is. The Hebrew Bible's creation story paints a picture of God's character. The Bible begins with the creation of the world and all the creatures, including us. The people of Israel told that story to lay down a marker, to reject pagan religious practice, to describe how they, the people of Israel, had come to understand where our human longings come from, our longings for love, hope goodness, beauty, and for excellence are the features that make us human persons. The ancient religions thought that those longings could be managed by sacrifice and the adoration of gods. Ancient religion did not see those longings as glimpses into a relationship, our relationship with God, the source of love, hope, goodness, beauty, and excellence. For Israel, the world is not some random playground for gods who are manifest in the physical, natural world. Gods, such as of the river, the sun, fertility, rain, and the like. No, God is the Holy One who generously creates. The God of Israel creates the cosmos and creates us as a gift. Gifts celebrate relationships. We do not give gifts expecting something in return. They only earn the name gift when they are given out of generosity. By the creation, God invites us into communion, friendship, companionship, right relationship. In ancient worship that surrounded Israel, they mistakenly thought that the forces of nature were God and the forces of nature did provide good things. But those same forces also seem to withhold or even destroy good things, like we just saw in Florida. The very forces that make it so beautiful also invite hurricanes. The ancients thought that the meaning of life was to get those forces on their side. And the way to do so was to make sacrifices, to pay debts, to pay the fee to the gods so that they had power over their lives. And so the ancients developed the very human practice of sacrifice. But Yahweh, the God of Israel, the Hebrew name for God, says such actions as sacrifice and paying debts are useless and meaningless. No measure of burned grain will fend off the episodic flood of rivers. No number of slaughtered lambs will protect against diseases that cull the herd. And, of course, no number of firstborn sons will appease the human hunger lust for war. River gods, fertility gods, and war gods do not exist. Shaping culture around false gods feeds the mistaken notion that we are members of separate groups instead of the truth. We are members of one human family. You were created to be friends, to be my friend, says Yahweh. In other words, you were created for justice. The entire creation story actually describes justice indirectly by describing goodness. Yahweh is the all-good, one God, and everything that Yahweh creates is pronounced good. What has that got to do with how we think about justice? Everything. That story describes our relationship with God, the world, and each other. It rejects the ancient understanding of the world, of the forces of nature. It describes the right relationships. This is a foundational concept in Catholic teaching. We human beings are distinctive because we can form relationships. The story of Yahweh tells us the kind of relationships that are good. In Thomas Aquinas' elegant expression, we are fitted for goodness. The kinds of relationships we create lead to greater goodness, or they lead us away from goodness. Justice describes the way God acts. Justice refers to what God brings to the world. Justice is the way that God actually is God. What do I mean by that? What do we mean when we say the name God? The Hebrew Bible and Jesus both teach us that God is the personal, infinite being who created us out of the desire to share goodness with us. God is the one who does good, because God is only good, and God has fashioned us to be able to act like God. In other words, justice is our way to right relationship with God and with each other. David Philpot at the University of Notre Dame provides this eloquent description, quote, The justice that humans are to practice is shaped by the justice that God practices toward human beings, Close quote. It is worth noting here that people often raise questions like, if God is good, why do hurricanes kill people? If God is good, why do people die young? Those questions do emerge and they are important, but they are not helpful when we are trying to describe who God is. First, we need to become clear about what God has revealed to us. When we do that, we must take the world as it is given as it exists. Hurricanes are not evil. Actually, in doing what the planet needs them to do, hurricanes are actually good. They become negative when they intersect with human lives. That leads us to the next question, which is what do we do with the random features of the way the world is, the random features of our existence? And that is what is traditionally called the problem of suffering. That is a question that flows from our relationship with God. But that question is for another podcast. Tracing through history, we see concepts of justice from the Bible interpreted into societal law. Justice becomes associated with Roman law that was developed over the course of the medieval period. And that notion of law begins to blossom during the Enlightenment and has provided the scaffold for all modern political culture. Justice-construed the Roman law way is what we owe to others. It involves rights, fairness, equity, equality, and retribution when injustice happens. This way of thinking about justice is very rational. Christian justice and its parent Jewish practice is a much more abundant notion. That's because it is a relational approach, not primarily a rational approach. It does not begin with ideas or concepts, but instead with relationships, with persons in community. Authentic work, the work of deep identity, is a spiritual practice. It involves life-giving acts, not destructive sacrifices. Collaborating with the Spirit of God is life-giving. Those meaningless ceremonies of burning grain or sacrificing children are not. False gods undermine our self-understanding as friends of God and as co-workers with God. The God who created us to do so did so so that we would flourish. The commandments are not just arbitrary rules and regulations. If we follow them, they take us on a path that leads to thriving, to goodness. Now for some jewels of the Catholic tradition regarding justice. Thomas Aquinas, again, in the Summa Theologica, and that is the sum of all theological reflection, his great book, explains, quote, The order of the universe shows force the justice of God's mercy, close quote. We were created by God's goodness and given minds that both recognize and yearn for justice in all our relationships. God establishes and upholds justice according to God's own character. We are free to act justly, that is with attention to right relationships. And the baseline for right relationships is that all human persons have dignity, and that dignity calls all human persons to strive for the common good. Another interesting aspect of Aquinas' thinking from the Catholic tradition comes about how we build right relationships, and he asks the question of whether or not we have freedom when it comes to building right relationships. He ponders whether or not we actually have free will, whether or not we are actually free. The ancients would have said we are not free, absolutely not. Our lives for the ancients have no value of their own. But Aquinas says, yes, we are free, but not really, because when we decide to take actions that go against justice, we go against our nature. We were created for goodness. So while we are free to be less than good, we become less human in so doing. In sum, justice. The overarching category for restorative justice in Catholic teaching is an ancient teaching, and so it has been described and taught in many different ways. One of the most enduring ways of teaching justice is to note that it is one of the four cardinal virtues. Cardinal refers to the Latin word for hinge. These virtues, that is, these ways of doing and being good, provide the hinges, the connective tissue for right relationship. And they are prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. When human persons act with goodness, when human beings act hinged to the way God acts, they display these qualities. Catholic teaching is filled with gems of teaching like the cardinal virtues and, of course, Restorative justice.
0: Thank you, Sally, for sharing so deeply about the connections between faith and restorative justice. And this concludes another episode of Mission and Meaning. If you have any questions or thoughts, please reach out directly to me, Ben Sue, at b su at shschools.org. Or contact the Office of Mission, Culture and Strategy at omcs at shschools.org.